Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you wherever you are and welcome to the 4Play podcast and this will be our episode number 24. My name is David and I will be joined as usual by my fabulous co-hosts and music brothers Alan, Darren and Mark. If you're not familiar with the setup of these shows we pick a theme beforehand and then we each choose four songs or albums related to that theme, although not necessarily all in one show. In today's episode we will start by selecting some of our favourite live albums and we'll finish off the four album selections for each of us in episode 25. In case you're wondering about hearing some of the music discussed, we'll include a link for a Spotify playlist in the show notes and also in the 4Play Music Facebook group. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, here we are then, kicking off uh, episode number 24. Um, We're doing live albums today. When we get on to the, uh, the the next episode towards the end of that, I will go through a, a list that I pulled together with a Twitter friend, Mike Kelly, where we had something like 900 nominations for albums. So we've got already a list of the top albums, the official top live albums. So we can see how our selections compare with that one. Uh, but today, even better, got my good buddies here. We have Darren. Darren, a little bit under Hi. the weather. Yeah, feeling a little bit groggy, but uh, it's okay. I'm going to battle on regardless. It'll be all right. Top man. Put it back to dark early nights. Um, and yeah. viewers won't, or listeners rather than viewers, uh, they won't know that one of us sometimes gives a, a pseudonym, um, always very amusing. And the, the one today, I don't know if you can explain this one, the ghost of me doing Brian May, Mr. Alan Jones in yeah. Luton. Oh yeah, hi everyone. So this is particularly for Mark. Um, uh, and this was quite, this has happened in the last couple of hours to be honest. But um, a few years ago, um, when I was, uh, we were working for uh, Royal Bank of Scotland, um, we, we went to some, uh, a, um, like an away day, a departmental away day. And um, it was where all the, you know, the, Big weeks got up and said a few words of inspiration, etc. And I said to, um, to to David Crawford, who a great guy, um, who was head of the, the the department at the time, uh, you know, for something funny, you know, it, I've got this idea, and it was all about being customer driven at the time for our department, supporting customers, um, and making sure that customers were at the forefront of everything we did. The customers being the, the branches and things like that, um, so they could support the customers and serve them better. So I came up with this thing, you know, uh, customer driven. It was a Brian May track called "Driven by You." Okay, so and they had these great words about, it, and it was ideal for the, the kind of mantra that we'd set ourselves at this time. And so I said, "I explained blah blah blah," and he said, "Oh, you can go get and, and his words were, okay, Alan." Go away and make it happen. <laughs> and again, that was a big thing in, in the bank at the time, make it happen. So what happened was um, um, on the day in question, we were away somewhere in, in, the, in the darkest, deep depths of Scotland somewhere at some castle. Um, and uh, there, you know, it was all going on nicely, all these presentations, and everybody was there, maybe 100, 150 people. And... Um, uh, it came to a certain point in the afternoon and um, I disappeared and my with three co-hosts 
three co colleagues of mine who were up for a lot. So it was Marina, um, there was Karen, and there was Catherine. All worked. They were Catman girls uh, working in the same department as me. And um, uh, I suddenly appeared in this room. The music started blasting, and I ran into the room with a big black wig on on a big cape. Uh, dressed as Brian May, miming to this song, and th the three girls behind me, Dolly Birds dressed up, you know, doing a bit of a Robert Palmer type thing, you know, um, and uh, and of course the, all the heads in the room just could not believe it, you know, so I can see Ken Chorley's face now, <laughs> and um, so anyway, um, it all went off, and every but to this day, people can't still can't believe that happened. Uh, but earlier tonight, we were reminiscing about it, and Mark um, uh, was, uh, was saying that I, I, I wouldn't probably wouldn't make a very good DJ, especially because um, you know if my kind of performance doing Brian May was anything to go by. And then a couple of seconds later, he looked out in his back garden, and there was an apparition. <laughs> um, in in as much as one of his bushes has taken shape of Brian May in his back garden. <laughs> and uh, so I said to, to, to you know, to, uh, to Mark, well, uh, you know, you've just seen him, that's the ghost of me doing Brian May. Uh, so it'll serve you right for dissing me, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so it, that photo was actually taken last week. No, 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 no. He's trying to get out of no, it was. Uh, I, I took it because it was so sweet. I went out. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you into a secret. Um, God, the listeners. So what I do is I, I go to the back garden. I've, I've got a problem with foxes. And uh, <laughs> they say that if you urinate on the perimeter uh, at night time, to, to, um, it, it supposedly, <laughs> supposedly deters them from coming into your garden. And digging up your your spuds and all the rest of it. So so next thing, um, I'm I'm out pissing on the perimeter, and uh, sometimes I fill up like uh, big bottles of you know two liter bottles of uh, uh, you know empty bottles of milk, right, and cartons, uh, yeah. to, to, in order to decant cartons. That's what they call uh, <laughs> to decant it. But on the odd occasion, I'm quite impromptu, so I'll just go out and have a have a have a whittle. And on this one particular night, what about 1am? Honestly, I think it was about uh, eight, eight, nine days ago when the uh, Aurora Borealis was said to be high in the sky. I, I went out for a Jimmy Riddle, and there I came across Brian May. Scared the shade out of me. I thought, it's, it's, it's Alan Jones. So I sent him a photo tonight because we were talking about that. And um, it, it's uncanny. It really is uncanny. It's Brian May. Hey, that, must been, that must have been Halloween, wasn't it? About a week ago. <laughs> it, it would have been. It, it could have been him. <laughs> it could have been. Could have been him. So I sent the photo on to Alan. Alan, is it not creepy how much it looks like Brian May? And the thing is, you, you sent it the, sort of yeah, like the, yeah. a minute yeah. after you were dissing me. Yeah. The next yeah. minute, apparition appeared. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is that you, Mark? That was a, that was a, a that was the most enjoyable day back in back in the RBS days. That's for sure. 
I'll send you a picture of my rhubarb that looks like Roger Taylor, if you like. Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> we start the recording again on this particular episode. <laughs> eight, eight minutes in, we haven't started yet. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Sorry about that. <laughs> the foliage lookalikes. That's a new theme. Anyway, good greetings from Luton. Thank you. And you've just been hearing <laughs> there from uh, Mark from Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah, good evening. And, um, yeah, good evening all. Hope, hope all is well. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to tonight. It should be good. I've, I've deliberately, because it's live acts and live albums, I've deliberately avoided Queen. So... Uh, what is, what is he doing? He's filling up his glass. He's filling up my glass. He's getting ready to sort the foxes out. Oh my God. Yeah. I thought he was doing something no, get rid completely, of inter- completely uh, inappropriate. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, looking forward to, I'm looking forward to the live albums because uh, when, you know, obviously obviously when, when you come out with the what's going to be done tonight, uh, David, it's very easy to default to your favourite bands and solo singer so i have tried my utmost so queen is not in the four best live albums i've picked wow they've had a good shout yeah. out tonight anyway yeah man. yeah absolutely yeah we're, i we're, think they've already had enough yeah they're, we're done to death of them yeah yeah excellent okay look as, as we've got slightly poorly darren this evening what we said we'd do is we'd let darren do do his couple of choices to, to kick us off and if he's able to stay then well or if not he'll join us again in the next episode so i'm passing the mic over to you darren yeah thank you thanks for doing that as well it's just it's horrible it's going to be the first podcast i'm probably going to listen back to that i'm not part of so it'll be interesting to hear what you guys are actually like who knows <laughs> <laughs> there you go okay yeah, we, can, we can tell you in one word oh, go on. <laughs> No, don't. Actually, don't. No. <laughs> um, I'm going to try and get through this with my croaky voice and not cough too much. Um, but I think I've said before on here that with live al- live albums, I really struggle. I'm not the world's biggest fan of a live album. I love a live gig and I love a, an album. Live albums, I think, often for me, lack quite a lot of atmosphere. But obviously, saying that, there are some that really stand out to me. So um, there's the first two that we're going to do today were absolutely no-brainers for me. Um, the next two, I'm still not quite there. I've got some ideas, but yeah, anyway, that's just me. That's a personal struggle that I have. But the first one I've gone with is um, by uh, sadly a late great artist, um, and this particular album was recorded when the band that he's in were at the absolute top of their uh, career. It's a career-defining gig for them as well, really. Um, I was lucky enough to be there with my mate Jay Tompkins. Big shout-out to Jay and my brother, Matt. Uh, this is back in uh, 1991. On the 13th of July, 1991, when this album was recorded, it was at a gig called Summer Excess. Uh, this band was supported by the likes of Hot House Flowers and Roachford and Deborah Harry. Uh, but this was... And actually, while I've been researching it, I've always called this Live Baby Live uh, by the mighty NXS and Michael Hutchins. Um, it's only, and I spoke to my mate last night, I went to see John Lydon last night, that's for another podcast, but I spoke to my mate last night, and we've always called it Live Baby Live since we went in 1991. 
it's actually supposed to be live baby live. As in live, baby, live. Right. Sensation. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about you, you tell me in a minute, but I, we've always known it as live, baby, live. But it is by the Australian rock band In Excess. Um, so the gig was the 13th of July, 91, uh, released on the 11th of November, 91, so a few months afterwards. Uh, a few years ago, there was a cinematic release of it in snazzy Dolby 5.1 and whatever they do now. And... Um, which I've got a story about because we went along to this get uh, to the cinema in uh, Torquay, Payton, wherever it was, can't remember. And um, it was really quiet. It was like it, they, it's like they were just. It was a movie, you know. And we uh, sort of a few of us started talking to each other. You know, we were saying, "Were you at the gig?" And you know, we were, and blah, blah blah. And we all got a bit annoyed and kept nagging them to turn it up. So after about half an hour, we got them to crank it right up, and it was really like we were at the gig again. Um, but that's a bit of an aside anyway. Uh, but this, um, I'll show you the DVD here. I didn't dig out the album, but there's a DVD. And I'll just give you the track list in uh, Guns in the Sky, New Sensations, a couple from Kick. And then we have things in there like Disappear, By My Side, songs from X. And the Kick and X, to me, are brilliant albums and in excess defining albums. And then going back to things like Original Sin and The Loved One, and there's Mystified, Bitter Tears, Suicide Blonde, Kick. And they ended with things like Devil Inside and Never Tear Us Apart. Just for me, I mean, I loved In Excess anyway, but that is one live album that I will never, ever get bored of. Um, and the DVD was directed by David Mallett, that was released the same time as the CD. No vinyl, I don't think, back then. I think it was just a CD release. Uh, 72,000 fans at the gig shot by a massive 16 35 millimeter cameras Jeez. <laughs> i'm sure these days it would be like 600 cameras yeah. yeah yeah unbelievable um but i just that for me when we talk about live albums that had to go in and the fact i was there and you can see my brother very briefly about two minutes into um need you tonight <laughs> so for me it's True. just the fact i was there and it's an album that a live album i will never tire of playing so live, live baby live, that's the next Absolutely brilliant. And the fact you were there yeah. just adds, adds to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it makes a big difference. And like I said, I'm, I'm going to struggle with some of these live albums because I wasn't there and I've got to find a live album. But when I listen to them, I think, I'll, let, I'll, get, I'll listen to a few tracks, I appreciate it. And then I think, oh, I've had enough now. But if I was at the gig, it would be a completely different story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Has anybody else heard that one? Anyone else heard? Uh, I haven't got it, but obviously I know all the tracks from you know from from the album Kick. Um, yeah. And you know Michael Hutchins. Yeah. I think we yeah. said before what a great stage presence he had, and yeah. uh, just a persona. Um, just a shame uh, what happened. Uh, but yeah, great character, and you know you know in you know in, in the same sort of. Uh, Moulders, uh, Jim Morrison. Yeah, absolutely. I said before, I was lucky enough to see him probably seven or eight times and met, met Michael a couple of times. And yeah, absolute legend. Oh, you met him? Yeah. Uh, very, I say met. It was a very tenuous meet. He didn't have time to sign. He shook a hand quickly and walked on, got on his bus. But yeah, that's as close as... Uh, Jay, actually, my mate Jay I just mentioned... Met him in, I believe, sorry, Jay, if I'm wrong, I think it was Toronto or Ontario. And 
in, uh, I think it was, um, he was going in for a radio interview. And my mate Jay knew the interviewer. And he actually got to spend a bit of time with him, get a few things signed by him. So he had a proper little chat with him, said he was a lovely guy, really nice guy. Darren, did you say it was available on album, on vinyl now? Yeah, it was, I think there's some dodgy kind of Mexican copies that came out in 1991. Um, but apart from that, it came out when the film came out a year or so ago. I believe it was a triple vinyl release. Right. Um, it was priced at 60 quid or something to start with, so I haven't actually bought it yet, but... It's one that I will get around to getting. But I've got the DVD, I've got the original CDs. So Yeah, the dodgy dodgy Mexican ones are available on white vinyl. Oh, have you just looked it up? Yeah, I knew there was something. No, 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 that's, that's me. That's oh, being funny. <laughs> oh, sorry. White cover. That's, co that's me not being well. I'm not taking it in. <laughs> uh, you, don't use, you don't use a needle. You just use your nose on it. That's it. <laughs> Uh, no, great, great choice. Uh, fantastic band. And we, we have covered them a few times. And um, yeah, taken before his time once again. But uh, what a, yeah, he, he would have been fantastic. I, I think of him, how, how he would have been in something like, uh, like I don't know, a Freddie Mercury tribute or a, a Live Aid gig or something like that. He just had such a great presence about him. And they were fantastic in the late 80s. I think Kick came out in 87. Was it 87? Around then? I would have said 88, but yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 it could be 88. yeah, 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 um, yeah, great choice. But I'd, I'd love to have seen them live, yeah, that would have been great, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you're right with 87, actually. I've just checked, yeah, oh, um, right. ready, like, like to me, yeah, 87, yeah. Yeah, I did see them once with, um, I think, was he called JD Fortune, I believe? Who was, I think he won something like American Idol or something or something like that. And he ended up, I was going to say Michael Hutchinson's replacement, but he wasn't. I think the band just wanted to keep going and keep gigging for a bit longer. And they released an album called Switch, which was okay. And I went to see them play in Bristol at what we used to call the Colston Hall, which we're not allowed right. to anymore. Aren't we? Um, right. Oh, no, no, sorry, of course not. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. Um, and, yeah, uh, they were okay, but I was watching them thinking, yeah, okay, he's a showman, but he's no Michael Hutchins. No one is. You struggle now with Adam Lambert, don't you, replacing yeah. Freddie Mercury. It's, it's never quite I the same. My, my only tenuous link with NXS was to meet um, a guy called Jimmy, Jimmy Barnes. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I met him and a friend of his in a, in a bar in Edinburgh, and he casually slipped it into the conversation that he sang Good Times. Yeah. With, and that went on to the Lost Boys album. It did. Yeah. And it right. became a big hit for NXS. Yeah. Great tune. I think I bought the 7 inch and the 12 inch of that one. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. It, was, yeah. it was more. It was more as I spoke to. Jimmy was sitting there, minding his own business. Understandably, so you should have seen this day, haven't you? So. Excellent. I'll definitely be looking that one out, Darren. Yeah, you, you've never heard it. No, I haven't. No, I've got. I've got kick and uh, listen like thieves, but um, I, need to get uh, this. What's yeah. what's the one? What's the one with the RTN Boys band on the front? I keep asking this. Oh, welcome to wherever you are. That's the one. Yeah, that was yeah. Not, not their best album. It's still a strong album. 
I think that's mm. the one with um, is it Beautiful Girl on it and things like that. That's the one, yeah. Beautiful Girl is such a lovely song, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, good album. I the RTN Boys, the RTN Boys Band is now the RTN Band. Because oh, really? the, yeah, they're, they're, um, they've got girls in it now, which is lovely. Okay. There you go. Yeah, just um, I'm sure Finn, who's listening, he, he'll uh, he'll get that as well. The RTM Boys Band used to be made up of <clears throat> they play well. They were they were the front cover, and God knows why NXS chose them as the front cover of their their album. Hmm. Something must have struck a chord. But they play at the start of um, every All Ireland final, whether it be hurling or Gaelic football, and they they just march. Right. the teams around the perimeter before the match starts and it used to be the RTN boys band it was just it was an orphanage and uh, now they've got uh, the girls involved so it's nice to see how they're coming into the 21st century Excellent. Yeah. there you go just thought I'd drop that one in nice one yeah I need to find out about that why they did choose the RTN mm-hmm. yeah yeah we'll find out for the next I, 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 I can't see the link though I can't see the link why NXS chose that no no, neither can I. Oh, must be, must be yeah. something. Is there anything on um, on Wiki? Well, we, oh. we, we can add some notes afterwards if anyone no, can find any yeah. information. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, Darren, lead us off with your second one then. Okay, I'm going on to my second. So, uh, this is um, an unbelievable Lyle album that almost never happened. Um, and again, I didn't really know. I, I probably looked this up years ago, but I didn't know it nearly didn't happen at all. Um, it's from 1983. Um, the two opening acts that should have played at this live gig were The Alarm and Divinals. So if you remember Divinals, I think they were an Australian band. Um, I Touched Myself, I think it was their big single. Um, they cancelled because of safety concerns. Um, the gig was due to go ahead in Denver in uh, the Red Rocks Amphitheatre on June the 5th, 1983. Uh, the weather was so bad that the two acts had to cancel. Uh, there was a certain um, four-piece band that thought, well, we're not going to let that stop us. We're going to carry on. We're going to play. And that was uh, U2 and Bono. And this is live at Red Rocks. Um I'm oh, sorry, Under a Red Sky, live at Red Rocks. Yeah. Um, absolutely iconic gig. You remember Bono with his white flag waving again, I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, the album's here. The track listing is Gloria, 11 o'clock TikTok, I Will Follow, Party Girl, Sunday, Bloody Sunday, The Electrico, New Year's Day, and 40. Wow. I mean, what an album. Brilliant. What an absolute album. Um, and Bono, uh, on the Edge Tone, Rolling Stone magazine, actually, but Bono scared the absolute shit out of me because in all this bad weather, he started climbing a lighting rig to wave his flag around. And this is a gig that two bands have cancelled and said, nah, I'm not playing that, mate. And he was just climbing all over the rigging. Um, it's unbelievable, really. So some of the tracks on the album actually weren't recorded there. They were recorded in Boston and Germany. But I don't think anyone's ever really aware of no. that. It's just from Red Rocks like the DVD was. Um, and I think I think it was Adam Clayton that said this was just before mega stardom set in, and Adam Clayton said it was a benchmark. We can say right now we've got to a point where we're contenders, and um, obviously 
the history's there. They went on to be much more than contenders. Wow. And that's another live album that was, as soon as we mentioned it, straight into my head. I thought it's got to be under a blood red sky and it's got to be live baby live. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there were a couple of albums that I instantly kicked out of my top four um, by virtue of the fact that I knew that somebody would choose it. Uh, sorry, choose choose one of these these yeah. uh, albums. That's one of them. I knew you'd choose that, and rightly so. I was quite surprised. Uh, I only messaged David a day or so ago and said, "I don't suppose this one's available." <laughs> and it still was. So thank you, Mark. Oh no, no worries. Um, yeah, my first choice. Um, thankfully, I was I was gifted by David. Um, but I, I I thought that a few of us would choose that one. But uh, under a blood red sky, it's a no brainer. Uh, arguably, they've had better tours. But yeah. This is the this, this is the rawest. Yeah. This is, as, as you said before, they they hit the big time. Joshua Tree, Acton Baby, Zoropo, etc., etc. This this is what really made you know all the uh, you know the the music pundits prick their ears up and realise that these guys are. Just not a one-trick pony. Pony, yeah. they they are something epic. And when you list those songs off, it's um, it's it's amazing that they actually had all these hits before they even came out with the Joshua Tree. And um, you know, Bono was determined. All four of them were completely determined to make it big in the states. They knew the equation. They knew if you make it big in the states, you're going to make it big everywhere. Yeah. And um, and and they didn't fail in that. And the, the album itself, it's great quality. I, I listened to some live albums from the late seventies, early eighties, and they're absolutely woeful. Whereas this is comparatively crystal clear. Yeah. It it's really like you're. It's, yeah. It really is like you're there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great, great choice. Yeah. Obviously, only it's like a mini album. It's only forty minutes long, I think. Yeah. yeah. What always put me off it really. Uh, I, no, I don't get that. That's wrong. It's a great album. It's yeah. not. It's not enough tracks. No. And I was just trying to. I was looking at um, this is um, a package that came out a few years ago where you've got yeah. they, they started re-releasing them in these nice um, sets. And I'm just looking at the DVD list which comes with this. And I don't think there's ever been a re-release of the album. Uh, you got the whole set together. Yeah, yeah there was a set of uh, October War and Boy on remastered. Yeah, probably ten I bought them individually. I think. I, yeah. The reason was I bought them in the states, and they were a lot cheaper. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, in fact, I don't think this one was. But is that the one you uh, got a book in there as well? You got the booklet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah same one then. comes out like that. Oh, yeah. Darren, do you mind me asking why you didn't choose Rowan Hum? Oh, maybe I will. Ah. <laughs> it's, it's only half yeah, a live album. We were about it, didn't we? We had a discussion. We said yeah. it wasn't a live album. Yeah, some of that was recorded in the studio. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, we did. Oh, that's good enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh. Maybe I'll I, I, see, I, I want to put... Yeah... Yeah. Oh, okay. Contentious. So we had a discussion about that, didn't we? We did. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe we yeah. did. I remember <laughs> spinning it after we spoke, and I thought, uh, you know, I think one, of two, 
I think one or two of us had had quite a lot to drink that night. <laughs> it wasn't me. It certainly wasn't me. Yeah. yeah. No, I played it afterwards, and I thought, actually, you're right. We can't include it. So you're the you're the pisshead, Jones. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't that particular night. I was the a, a voice of um, reason. Reason. No chance. No danger. Wow. All right. Okay. So yeah, I I would have put out of their back catalogue. I would have put Rat on Home. But yeah, okay, fair enough. There are a few songs in there uh, that are studio songs, but <laughs> if they're, if your go-to is under a blood-red sky, it's not a bad go-to. No. So it's, it's great. And, and as I said there, what's great about it is it's pre-superstardom. It's pre-supergroup. It's those first yeah. three albums, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pre-Live Aid, isn't it, by a couple of years? Is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 The second-best band, band okay. Play, isn't it? We talked we, about that yeah. before. Here we get Boy War yeah. and what's the other yeah. one? October and Boy. Yeah. Yeah, this copy, um, this copy of a vinyl 2008 remaster, this was. All oh, right, but it's, it hasn't got the extra tracks on now, has it? No, it hasn't. No, it's CD on the has. DVD. So I think that's at some stage that should happen. Oh, they'll do that. Uh, I'd imagine it would at some stage. But yeah, great yeah. album. Two years' time, maybe, 50th anniversary. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, my word. 40th, I'm sorry. 40th, 40th, sorry. My maths. Oh, I, I had a real panic then. <laughs> yeah, steady on, David. Sorry. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> I Make me feel... This when I was like three years old. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, like I might feel 58, but <laughs> I'm not. No. It's a great album. It's a great cover for people watching at home yeah, in black and white. Is a, it's an iconic cover, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Really good. Let's take a photo on our Facebook that page. Excellent choice. Thank you very much. Excellent. Very nice much. one. Who's up there? Alan, do you want to do one too? Yeah, go on, mate. Yeah, you want to do one, Alan? <laughs> I want to do one. Well, I can all do one, mate. I'm going to hang yeah. around for a little bit. He's yeah. never picking a... Brian now we can't hear you at all. <laughs> uh, I'm the ghost of Brian May. Uh, so I've got my book of my Daktari annual, which has got everything in. And um, so my first choice, I mean, I'll be honest with you, unlike Mark, who hasn't picked his favourite band, I have. Yeah. Uh, because... Because I thought, well, just I'm trying to, I was trying to think. When you heard a band for the first time live, and it really, really struck, really struck you, uh, and the energy, whatever you got out of that first time you saw that band, which ultimately became your one of your favourite. You know, artists, bands, whatever, it stays with you, I think. And that's why, you know, while, you know, Darren's picked in excess, while Darren's picked you too, they are a couple of his favorite bands. And I, I, I kind of followed the same thing, um, only because of that they, 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 they just hit a note at a particular time. Um, when, when I, when I was getting in, you know, getting into this sort of music and and, um, and 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 listening to 
live albums of bands that I was interested in. So my first choice um, is uh, is by the Stranglers, and uh, and this was recorded um, in partly in 1977 and partly in 1978. The album is called uh, Live uh, X Bracket Excert Excert, and it came out um, in February '79 on the United Artists record label. Um, this was the, the band's actual fourth release, and it contains only 12 live tracks um, from previous albums recorded um, um, from Rattus and Vegicus, from No More Heroes, from Black and White, and a couple of uh, you know, uh, um, well, singles and B-sides, double A-sides, which didn't make up those albums. And um, it was notably recorded at the Roundhouse um, in June 1977, the Roundhouse in London, uh, not far from Camden Town, and um, and in Nova, November 1977 at um, uh, Battersea Park, um, which were sorry, um, it was recorded. There was two two bits. It was recorded at the Roundhouse in June and November 77, and also at Battersea Park in December 78. Now, this was a, a bit of a bit of a funny one, this, sorry, September 78. Um, this was a bit of a funny one because uh, it, the, the, the Battersea gig uh, beca ultimately became famous later on for um, some footage which showed that uh, strippers on stage to one of the songs, and I'll, I'll go on to that in a second. Um, so, so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so the, the main album, the vinyl album that came out, contained 12 tracks. Subsequent reissues have added extra live tracks uh, recorded uh, at other gigs as well. So they've really padded it out in hope and anger. But I, I'm I'm really talking about the the, the vinyl. Um, initial album and um, what I think it really does it um, it captures um, the raw sort of punk and aggression that this band were doing at the time and it, perhaps why I was drawn to them in the first place and why they they ultimately become like a mainstay in my life um, you know that the bit of angst I mean you had uh, for listeners who don't know the, the members of the band, you've got Hugh Cornwall on guitar, uh, John Jacks Burnell um, on uh, bass, Jack Black on drums, and uh, of course Dave Greenfield on keyboard. Um, um, fantastic artists and you know musicians in their own right, but coming together as a band, um, the superb. Um, so. Straight from the, the get-go, you're going to get songs um, like um, Grip, otherwise known as Get a Grip on Yourself, uh, mainstay track uh, from the first album, Hanging Around with a Really Rough Bass Sound and uh, Burning Up Time from No More Heroes, <coughs> Five Minutes, which was uh, only released as a single. And uh, they got into some, some quite dark topics um five minutes is about uh about a rape of one of their friends and 
is basically the five minutes is 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 talking about the difference between where you know, they used to live in quite a, a rough part of London, um, but um, just five minutes away there was a fairly well-to-do area of, of London, and, and that's where the rape happened. So they're saying five minutes is you're away from that, and it can, you know anything can happen. Um, go buddy go, which is a great uh, B-side of Peaches, the single. Uh, Dagenham Dave again uh, from um, uh, it's not about a erstwhile friend because Dave was from a different part of uh, town. Uh, um, but this is about a, a loss of a friend who committed suicide. So some really dark topics, which at the time obviously I didn't really know what they were talking about, but. I just knew that it was, um, I don't know, just different, different type of music I hadn't heard before. And it was great hearing kind of, it was great hearing because I hadn't, probably hadn't seen them live as of yet. Maybe I had maybe I'd seen them once, maybe. But it's got a great cover and um, yeah, it's, um, oh, nice. you know, on the back it's got, got the, 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 what you're seeing there is a, a cover for those watching in black and white is a is a black plastic can and it's held in a newspaper header heading that says stranglers in nude woman horror shock and what it's alluding as i said at the outset to uh, these five or six strippers who um appeared on stage at spot battersea park during the performance of one of the tracks which is called nice and sleazy um uh, i think i might have mentioned before <laughs> um i do remember the time that i i, I had i managed to get the song nice and sleazy played in the school assembly one morning um because um used to do it every morning somebody would pick a topic about and speak for five minutes i think i just said something with my friend one of my best friends Andrew Minchin uh, we we talked about football hooliganism and uh, so we we're talking about that and then all I can remember is uh, and this morning's record is nice and sleazy by the stranglers and you could see all the teachers sort of tittering to themselves oh how has he managed to get this paid but um, yeah it's a superb album it's uh, it's got so much energy to it um it's really great hearing the band live um it's slightly more edgier than the recordings uh slightly different arrangements and there's a quite a lot of banter between um particularly hugh cornwall and and uh, obviously the crowd and uh there's one part where he says uh well somebody shout hugh he's a wanker <laughs> And, and Hugh Cornwall says, "Is somebody stay wanker?" Huh? <laughs> and uh, everybody goes quiet. And uh, there's something like, um, "Oh, isn't he going to own up?" You know, sort of in a <laughs> mocking style. And then the next minute, they don't say anything, and they just go into the next track. But yeah, that's quite a famous thing. Um, uh, at gigs, gigs now, quite often somebody will, you know, one of like JJ Bernal or. Uh, Baz Warmore will just for, for no other reason than to get a reaction. Even if nobody has said wanker, they will say, Did somebody say wanker? 
And, and, and at what stage did you own up? <laughs> well, it wasn't me because it was recorded in Battersea, and I was um, in 1978. I was still a young buck living in Tenby, unfortunately. But yeah, it's a great. Yeah, but it's a great album, and uh, yeah, I often go back to it. <laughs> Nice. I don't know that album particularly, but something uh, just reminded me of something when you were talking about Dagenham Dave. Yeah. I didn't think for years and years and years, I thought Morrissey had covered the Stranglers song Dagenham Dave, because Morrissey's yeah. also got Dagenham Dave. And it's only recently that I realised that um, it's just naval slang, isn't it? It's, I think it's naval slang for somebody who's a bit crazy, a bit mad. Oh, is it? Yeah, and they're totally unrelated songs. Morrissey's and the right. Stranglers. So, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a bit like Luton Allen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, really harsh. Much, so. <laughs> this, luckily at the time. Lo- lovely, the lovely game, but a bit, a bit not sport. I like that. Okay. Um, for the, the listeners. From, uh, from and Black and White. Yeah, I was pulled out a poster from the album. That's nice. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Uh, yeah. You certainly got to listen to the Stranglers a bit more over the last few months, so that's an album I need to listen to. Yeah, no, so um, that's my first choice. Fit predictable, if you know me. No, why not? I think mine were as well. Alan, that's a good one. I I, I used to have that. I don't know where it is, so um, I'm going to have to replace it. Oh. Um, Fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't think it's in production at the moment. Um, no, not. It's that's not actually been re-released since it was originally released. Is it so not? it is due something. It is due. Yeah, it's kind of similar in a way, isn't it, to the U two one uh, under Blood Red Sky because yeah. it covers those yeah. early the early years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose there's not a. I suppose it's one of those ones where you, you, you had to maybe be there at the time to appreciate it. Uh, maybe with a maybe could be the same with a lot of these live albums. You had yeah. to have a real connection. Yeah, that's my problem with it, definitely. Yeah, well, not a problem. It's a nice problem to have, isn't it? No, yeah, but it's and at the end of the day, it's why you like the album. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many tracks has that one got on it? Uh, twelve. Okay. Only twelve. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, and there's some there's some album tracks in there, which a lot of people, unless you are a Stranglers fan, you you'd never you wouldn't know. No. Um, but it's just nice to hear them in a different arrangement. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying, Alan and Darren, but I think when we come on to some of the albums that. Mark and I are picking, you know, certainly my one come from the 70s early and, and mid 70s, so was never there, wasn't in that country. But they do make you feel as though you're actually part of the experience, it's very immersive. Um, yeah, so uh, which is you know, different, it's never going to be the same as hearing an album of a, a band that you saw that gig or you saw that tour. That you, you can never replace that, and if you've got four of those, then I can see why you'd want to put those in straight away. But there are others which just draw you in and make you feel as though you're there and crank up oh, the no, volume a bit. Get, don't don't get me wrong. I've 
I've, I've got others. I've got others yeah. which are which I won't have seen. You know, I won't have seen live. Yeah. Um, and others which I have seen live since I've heard studio recording. So yeah, I've got both. Okay. Yeah, Excellent. I've definitely got a few more. We'll get there. Not a problem. Good yeah. stuff. I was just we flick over to Mark and Mark, maybe you'll mention one of the albums that you said you were going to put in tonight because again, you can take us way back, uh, but just by listening to it, it really pulls you in. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, honestly, a total quandary with this because I could have chosen uh, and, and I've actually changed one of my cho four choices tonight based on um, Alan and Darren's choices. And the reason being that I've, um, I've actually seen this. No, no, I've, I've seen this particular individual 30 odd times, but he can wait. He can wait. We know who that is. Um, yeah, we yeah, can. Absolutely. Irish trad singer. Finn's probably shouting away there going, <laughs> who it is, saying who it is. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention his name tonight, despite the fact that I'm an absolute all. Right. Um, we know you're a big Van Morrison fan. Oh. Am I? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Van. Uh, love his music. Not particularly keen on the man. Anyway, no, this this album, um, David, God bless you. I've had a particularly rough couple of weeks, um, work-related, personal uh, things going on as well. And David reached out to me yesterday and said ever okay you've been a bit quiet in the whatsapp and uh realized and my choices to make for for the the uh the gig tonight and uh this was the second that came to mind um and i thought definitely someone has someone has chosen this surely and it's talking heads stop making sense and he uh he, he um he did say to me that I think it was Darren and um, yourself, David, chose chose it. This this album uh, comes back to me from the year nineteen ninety nine, when I started dating uh, who became my a lady who became my wife, and then we all all the rest of it we split up. But two albums that I took out of her collection. Everything else was pish, as far as I was concerned. <laughs> uh, but that was me. That was me being a bit arrogant. Two albums were Songs of the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Uh, and this is how the, the whole Hollywood 100 started out. And the second album was Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads. Everything, and I listened to it just before we came on to the podcast, opens up a cycle killer. I, I I don't know what to say about it. Um, Heaven, thank you for sending me an angel. Slippery People is my favourite. Uh, so much of it is applicable to this day and age you could pick out a song and what i what i really like about it is it sounds kind of popsy and flippant but there is a great hidden message behind every single song and you know you might have guessed over the last two years that i like i like a tune with a meaning to it uh D david Byrne is a genius as far as i'm concerned he's on broadway right now Born in Dumbarton, lives in the States. Uh, he's, he's up there with the likes of Brian Eno, um, David Bowie, back in the 70s. He was under the radar for so long. Talking Heads. They hit the big time with Once, Once in a Lifetime, Road to Nowhere, 
Um, uh, burning down the house, Tom Jones made them big. But <laughs> they have this epic, epic live album, and you cannot tire of it. First time I heard it, I thought, it's good. Second time I listened to it, it's even better. And ever since then, it is it is my permanent CD in the car, right? A lot of people now Bluetooth or put the SD card in these days. That is the one CD that is stuck in the car. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, they open in the cycle killer, and then I flick it over to ch- uh, track number five, Slippery, Slippery People. It's just great. It's great. Um, so that's, that's my first choice. I can't say more than that without going into boring the arse of the, the listener talking about the band. Mm-hmm. Just go out, listen to the album, and enjoy. I think... You could do it more. You could probably do it more credit than I could, but I, I, can't, I, I can't say that's more. A, than that. Hey, that's another one I need to listen to. Well, well sold, I think. Not one I know. No, I've got it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like more than that. Yeah. And Alan was going to put it in. Well recorded. How was it? I think that was on your list, wasn't it? Or, or maybe I, I know I you held it back. Dave. I was leaving it. I thought oh, it's one for Dave. Um, I'll leave it. He's, he, you're going to pick it. And um, and um, and then he said last night, like he said, look, I'm not going to. Um, and I said, and he said, look, if um, if you don't want it. And I know somebody who might want it. And so I said, okay, be good to get somebody else's spin on it, mm. which is Mr. Hollywood's. Nice. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's a great live he, album. Would you say anything else to it all? I, I, I just think... Oh, I think it's great production. It's... Um, yeah. You yeah. know, just Tina Weymouth's bass is enough for me. Yeah. You know, and the quirky guitar and... Yeah, it's just very well recorded, I think. It's, it's not only that; it's just you can you can hear and feel um, David Burton come out in it. You can you, you don't have to visualize him; you can actually hear his eccentricity come through the music. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you watch Talking Heads live, it's not like watching U two or Fleetwood Mac or any bog standard four-piece band on the stage, David Byrne completely steals the show. And it's not because he's got an amazing voice. It's because he is quirky. He's weird beyond weird, but an absolute genius with it. They're quirky, they're edgy, they're funky. Yeah. Very clever, you know, musicians. Uh, I say for me, and the production is top-notch. If you had a favourite track... Alan, because you love it so much, and, and David, what what would the two be, or what would the one be anyway? I think I'd, I'd just like Psycho Killer. Right, yep. Psycho Killer for me, I think. Really, that's that's a good shout. Um, I mean, Take Me River, which is sort of the closing track that that just feels like it's never going to end. You, you just get yeah. immersed and there's a few songs I've never done drugs but it just takes you away just takes you to another place doesn't it yeah so I, I go with Slippery People because that was the first one that got me on the hook when I listened to this album Psycho Killer close second but if I was going to put something on to the, uh, the podcast I'd probably go for Heaven 
because we all need a wee bit of that. Yeah, we need a bit of that right now. And uh, I would stick that on to the the, the podcast favourites. Track two, side one. The the other it's thing... Like a killer for me. Yeah. So the other thing, just to okay. remember about this, is uh, the album, is that, you know, we all think of talking, or people who know Talking Heads think of them as, you know, Burn and Jerry Harrison, Chris France and Tina Weymouth. But, you know, this... On the back of Remaining Light, they had uh, Bernie Worrell, who was playing on keys, which gives it another dimension. So he's from that Parliament Funkadelic background. On yeah. on the Remaining Light, they did have um, Adrian Ballou. Um, there's another guy on here, uh, Alex Weir, I think it is, who plays guitar. So that, that adds an edge that you don't have when Burns playing. Burn, by his own confession, you know, he's a great rhythm guitarist, and but he isn't the lead guitarist. And you've also got some of the, the additional vocals are coming in. So you get an enhanced talking heads when you're listening to this album that you wouldn't have otherwise. So it gives you a bigger mm-hmm. rounder deal. Going down, um, is always very good. Always great listening, burning down the house. Yeah. Do you know that David Byrne was mightily pissed off that um, I think Take Me to the River was a hit by Al Green? Yeah, originally. And uh, he was a bit pissed off that that became a hit because he hadn't written it. Wow. Yeah. So it was one of the biggest hits off the album. And, you know, you think about Psycho Killer burning down the house that became another hit with Tom Jones and that. But, uh, yeah, Take Me to the River became a massive hit. And, uh, yeah, Burn was... He wasn't too happy. Yeah, so... And, uh, oh, here, I'm going to give you another fact. Yeah, Talking Heads. Uh, Radiohead got their name from the Talking Heads song, Radiohead. Yeah, oh, did. that's right. I didn't know that. There you go. Every, Every day is a school day. just going to say that. Just um, say guys, that. I'm really sorry. I'm going to love you and leave you because I'm flagging seriously. So, that's um, worries, uh, great choice, Mark, so far. I'm really going to love listening to this back. I'm sorry I'm not staying with you for the first time ever, but no, no. have a great one, and I'll speak to you all soon. All right. Cheers see you, Daz. Thanks, guys. See you later. Take it easy. Cheers, Daz. Right then. Why don't I lead off then with my first choice? Go for it, man. Okay. Um... I'm going to try and say as much of this without actually saying the band's name, and then if you think you know who this is, then uh, feel free to chip in. But we're going back to 1971. I think the release came out in 72. Um, oh, sorry, came out in 71. Um, this is a uh, one of those rarities of uh, the, the rock scene, which gave us uh, an integrated group from the Deep South. Remember, we're talking about 1971. And whether they played throughout the South at that time, the audiences regarded this particular band as their very own. Uh, on the strength of their two previous albums, two studio albums, um, they had a string of really good um, songs that were well known. They did a number of performances going from coast to coast and sort of built up their reputation. And they they became known and acknowledged as the musicians' musicians, the, the band's band. Um, over the, the, the following year then, they 
started performing at the two Fillmore's, so Fillmore East and Fillmore West. And they, yes. played, they played so often that people began to think of them as Billy Graham's own house band. Um, and what anyone else might say about Billy Graham, there was there was lots said about him, or Bill Graham said at the time. His music taste was um, fairly impeccable, and it was no surprise when he chose them, together with the Jay Gars band, to close out the Fillmore East. Um, they've yep. had... Yep. Go on, do you know who it is? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Do you want to spoil it? No, no, you can't. Oh, oh. Is it the Allman Brothers Band? It certainly is the Allman Brothers Band, yeah. Yeah, that's what I would have said based on what you said. Cool, cool. Um, they, they had many fine times at the, the Fillmore's and this particular live album, which was recorded in uh, in March and March 12th and 13th of 71, um, it really epitomised those various concerts that they pulled together. They had a, a, a range of material, but they also had this thing where they, when they played live, they had two drummers, which led to some comparisons to, to the dead at that time. Um, but that's not really who they are. They are very much their own band. So, in fact, you've got yeah, you've got guitarist Dwayne Allen uh, and also Dickie Betts. You've got uh, Dwayne Allen's brother, Greg Orman, who's the organist and vocalist, uh, Greg, when he started out, he was a guitarist, but they he decided to turn his hand to playing the the organ. So that was him playing that, and he had a good voice as well. Had Barry Oakley on bass, had the two drummers JJ Johansson and Butch Trucks, and they made this fantastic album, um, which sort of pulled pulled the sounds that they had produced towards from the end of the sixties and the early seventies. And if you don't believe it, you really do need to listen to this album. Uh, on the first side, uh, or the first album, you had, sorry, the first side of the, the first LP, you had Dwayne kicking off with uh, plenty of pace on his side guitar, playing uh, Blind Willie McTell, Statesboro Blues. So many versions of this, but this is a great one that he has on here. And it moves into Done Somebody Wrong. And it ends with an eight and a half minute version of uh, T-Bone Walker's Stormy Monday. Second side is entirely devoted to one song, which is uh, Don't You Love Me by Willie Cobbs. And all of the band get to have a go at doing a, or showing off their, their skills. Uh, side three, and I think my, my favourite song, my favourite tune of theirs is uh, <laughs> 13 Minutes. Alan, I know you do, do like a long song. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's uh, uh, called In in Memory of Elizabeth Reed, which is written by Dickie Betts, who plays lead on this one. Uh, And it's a better version live than it was on their recorded one. Um, Not only me who thinks that. And as a bit of an aside, just a reminder, people who don't know about this, the, the band, they used to noodle and play away in the cemetery in the hometown. And... This particular song sprang out of this this plane and, and mucking around and coming up with it. And you listen, it just takes you away when you listen to it. And so no real surprise, given the name of it, In Memory of Elizabeth Reed, it was actually where they played it was by a tombstone which had that written across it. Um, and then the the closing side four, uh, uh, Greg Orman playing Whipping Post with 
Dwayne and, and Betts, they're trading off their leads around the organ playing, which is going, look, it's fantastic. Um, never to be repeated. Uh, and why not? Well, after, after this album got released, it did pretty well. It started getting some good success. But sadly, Dwayne Allen, um, he was killed in a motorcycle crash shortly after its release. Um, so he, uh, he actually died in October of that year. And whilst the band did continue and they did do very well, um, and they carried on really until the mid about 2014, I think they went up until. Um, obviously, it was without one of the the original members, and so could never really have been called the Allman Brothers when there's only one around. So a real shame. They did get inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but for me, again, I think it, it ties in actually with. So a couple of um, the albums we've been talking about, which capture the essence of the first two, three albums that a band has released um, and captures it live. And so for me, this one then, um, the Allman Brothers live at Fillmore East, that's my one, which I'm locking in. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Nothing like a side three and side four as well. Uh, it's especially a side four that lasts. 20-odd minutes. 23 minutes, yeah. There is an expanded version, which they released, a six-album version, which covered many nights, if you're feeling particularly rich and and flush with money. Or if anyone wants to donate anything, then we're not averse to that. Uh, What we'll do is uh, we'll get people to uh, donate, and um, you can have it for three months. I'll pass it around. Yeah, we'll just pass it around. If we if we have enough, we can have a few crates. We just move around the country. <laughs> we can do it. Yeah, inspired choice. Uh, it, it, I wouldn't. It wouldn't have even been on my radar, but because I've heard it, okay. Uh, you, you're, you're bringing it back to me. You're bringing it back to me, and and that makes you. You know, we're, I think I think we're quite. Um, blinkered at times when we think of live albums, we think of our favourite bands. Yeah, I get um, it. I I haven't seen Talking Heads. I haven't seen the Almond Brothers. But when you hear a, an album, bang, yeah. it it just it's it seeps into you. Absolutely. No, I can't yeah. go along with that. Yeah, Alan, I'm not sure this is really your thing, is it? Uh, I've heard of the Almond Brothers. Um, um, but I've not got any of no. I haven't got any of their material. Uh, I think again, it's one of these nobody's actually said, apart from maybe Richie Weston McCott might have uh, back in Tenby, um, sort of music he would like. I'm sure he said you need to listen to the Almond Brothers at some stage. And I've heard of the term live at Fillmore East. I'm uh, sure other artists have played there as well. Ab- absolutely. So I, I- yeah. Um, but, um, I, yeah. Um, I heard this. I was going to say I was. I, I was going to say I heard this from a mate who used to um, skin up by putting the album, the vinyl, on and his Rizzlers and his tobacco on top of this particular album, and that's how I got to know. On the that's cover. Yes. On the album cover. <laughs> yes. Uh, there was a he was doing it on the vinyl. Out. <laughs> he was doing it on the vinyl. He'd be no friend of mine. No. Yeah, no, he used to he used to use that particular one. That well, I could I could I could be predictable and say Dark Side of the Moon, but 
Um, I thought Maurice was one of his favourites as well. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm just looking now. Uh, it doesn't seem to be on uh, widely available on vinyl at the moment. Uh, there, there was certainly a, on my first. There was a release well, a couple of years ago, I think, a re-release. Yeah. Um, I normally go straight away to Amazon. Uh, other oh, okay. records, things are available. I normally go there because if it's available, it kind of, it's kind of on there. But yeah, it's obviously worth checking out. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Actually, what the, I mean, you can you can get. You know, some some things aren't available on Amazon, but they're worth looking for. A couple of weeks back, I was looking for an album called "The North Star Grassman and the Ravens" by the late great Sandy Denny. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll drop that one in to to put it. All right, list. yeah, yeah, same, yeah. Same year as actually the Almond Brothers Live, nineteen seventy one. And uh, I've listened to it. I had to pay a wee bit over the odds for a eBay, but it is it, it was genuine. It was legit. Mm. But uh, if, if you can get a hold of it, go for it. I think I dropped you guys a wee message. Yeah, it wasn't an anniversary of her death not long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 a fantastic listen. Well, luckily, I've got some very good um, secondhand stores um, in my. Uh, all right. In, in my area, so I can always I can always go there and try and find them. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Right, Alan. Why don't you lead us off with your second choice? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah. So back again, Mr. Predictable. Um, this album um, came out in May 1987. It was the band's first live album. Um, and they'd already up to then released uh, about six or seven albums, studio albums. Um, and uh, this this particular album was recorded uh, in August 1986 at Le, Le Zenith in Paris. And this uh, the venue for this really gives the name of the the name of the album. Um, uh, the, the, in Paris, uh, is, he has a nickname, Dave will know this. Uh, it's often referred to of La Vie de Lumière, um, which is known as this, uh, referring to the City of Light. And so um, this album I've chosen is Simple Minds uh, Live in the City of Light. Um, and... Um, this was recorded on the last date of their um, Once Upon a Time tour, uh, named for, for one of their albums. And uh, but curiously, one of the tracks, uh, despite the album title, Live in the City of Light, i.e. Paris, uh, one track was uh, recorded um, in, in Sydney, Australia. I don't know why that is. But uh, that's a sort of curio of this album. Uh, so, so Simple Minds, um, you know, by now, um, following their appearance in Live Aid, uh, you know, the previous previous years, uh, in '85, the band had started to, to play in to large audiences. Um, you know, pretty much like U2 at the time. You know, they they got, they were they were now playing to stadiums rather than 
um, theatres, and um, they they were performing uh, chart hits like um, you know Alive and Kicking and Don't You Forget About Me, um, which they they never actually wrote, <laughs> but that's their only apart from Belfast Child. That was the only other number one hit they had. Um, in fact, no, they didn't get to number one. But don't forget, don't you forget about me. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's probably one of their most um, well-known tracks. But they never never wrote it. Um, it was written for the um, film The Breakfast Club by Keith Forsey, who was almost famous. Who was also famous for playing the drums on the um, the theme tune to Captain Scarlet. But, We'll keep no way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Keep forcing. Um so um so the the the, the bands are now playing hits such as uh, Alive and Kiki, Don't You Forget About Me, uh Waterfront, um with um now bombastic production, um elongated versions. Um, some great arrangements, particularly from keyboard player uh, Mick McNeil. Um, so the band now is starting to to to, to lose some of the original um, band members. So there's there's now um, we've got Don John Giblin on bass instead of Derek Forbes. Forbes Derek has left. So a slightly different. Um, uh, Sounds and arrangement are starting to emanate, um, and I say some some radically different arrangements to to what you know what what we used to, um, uh, you know from from the studio albums. But the reason why I like this album because again it's starting to document a, a different change in sound for the band. Uh, they're now more the the sound scope is wider. I said the production is wider. They're, they're having to, uh, they're getting involved with different um, like that, you know, producers uh, who I think are, uh, who are giving the band this kind of fresh breath of air really to, to, to further themselves. You know, when, when you're playing these big, um stadiums you've got to fill it with sound you know and it's it's a lot different to playing little clubs the first time i saw simple minds was down the ymca club down in tottenham court road which is you know such a different different stage to what they were now playing and um i said that and different arrangements to, to songs and, and no more so than I think one of my favourite track on this is called The Book of Brilliant Things. And it was originally from the album uh, called Sparkle in the Rain. And it's just got some great, great um, piano keyboards at the beginning um, and a slower start. And then uh, towards the end, you've, you've got Jim Jim Curry. By now, he's, he's going through his kind of, um, I don't know, Che Guevara, I'm Che Guevara, I'm, um, I'm Jim Morrison type, sort of, you know, he's, he's wearing his hair long, he's wearing yeah. caps, um, he's, you know, he's, he's starting to, 
to lose is, you know, is original kind of new wave, uh, Roxy music, inspiration type thing. Um, uh, also, you know, a lot of inspiration with Simple Minds came from, you know, Genesis, Genesis thing, but a lot of that for Jim is now starting to disappear a bit in, in terms of his stage persona. Um, but still a great album and a great, um, if you like, um, a, a, a recording of how they sounded at that time and how they were, you know, developing. Uh, and then from 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 there, of course, they went on to perform all over the world, and they performed often. You know, they did tour extensively. Um, I remember when this album came out. Um, uh, it was uh, I was working in Golders Green at the time. I couldn't get the day off. I managed to persuade them to give me an extra an hour. Uh, so I could go down to the Virgin Megastore um, and where they were signing the, the actual album. I couldn't, unfortunately, there was massive queues all around the, the, the Megastore building in Tottenham, you know, Tottenham Court Road. There's no way I could have waited in, in time I had to get it signed. So all I could do is kind of glance from a distance and see people you know, talking to the band and getting it signed <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh. It doesn't count though, does it? Yeah, so I just had to, I bought it and, and left. Uh, but I didn't buy the vinyl on that particular day. I bought, the, the, I bought in those days, I was just, uh, uh, well, 87 by then, you know, CDs were all the rage and uh, the last thing I was going to do was going to buy an art and vinyl album back then. So, you know, it showed you how wrong you can be. Um, but the album went on and it did chart at number one. And it's never actually been re-released. Um, so again, it's, um, it's probably something that we all see the, the you know, the, the light of day at some stage, but the vinyl's never been re-released. Mm. It was the, the first time that the album for the people watching in black and white and show the album cover now and it is black and it's got gold lettering and it's the first time that the band used um what is known as the the cleder yeah uh, which which is like two hands holding a, a ring a heart-shaped ring uh which has become quite famous uh, with what well, famous it's been, quite been often associated in the band's um, artwork on later releases, uh, but it's got some great tracks on it. It's only um, uh, it's probably only about uh, eleven or twelve tracks here. Um, they even do a, a little cover. They do a bit of Little Stephen um, when they're protesting that they're not going to play Sun City, um, and there's also uh, a great extended version of one of my favorite tracks called New Girl Dream. So some great variations on tracks here. It's a must for any Simple Minds fan. Um, and yeah, that's why I like it. It's actually, <clears throat> uh, I liked Simple Minds for many years and uh, I noticed the Clara ring as well. And Clara, it's from 
a village in uh, Galway, and uh, girls wear the clatter ring, and if the heart is facing outwards, it means that they are single, and they're looking for a fella. Sure. If it's facing inwards towards them and towards the heart, it means that um, they're taken. They're taken. Yeah, it's, oh, it's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like so the clatter ring became a bit chavy in the eighties, nineties, noughties, and all the rest of it. But the clatter ring's lovely if it's mm-hmm. done in the right way. Aside from that, great album, great band, fantastic band, <coughs> one of Scotland's best exports. Uh, I haven't heard the, the live album myself, though. Do you think they became bigger after uh, Live Aid, or do you think they were they were well on their way to, to, to you know, being one of the best bands in the world globally? No, I think Live Aid set them. Yeah. Uh, I set them apart, set them, set them on their way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were already gone from playing um, the likes of, uh, you know, the Lyceum in, in London and Hammersmith Odeon. It was yeah. now, they were now on to Wembley Arena, you know, yeah. you know, before that. And um, and then for me, because unless you got tickets right at the front, and I can remember seeing them at Wembley Arena, um, I think in 86, and uh, I was quite away way back and I thought I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not enjoying this as much as I did when they were playing smaller venues when you could get further to the front than that. But that's the price of success and um but um I, I don't know Alan. I, th- I but, think when they had um sort of New Gold Dream and Sparkly in the Rain, you know, they had big chart success then. I, 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 their sound changed as well, didn't it? Yeah From, it did it did change. So that's pre. Um, so I'm just saying that was pre, uh, pre Live Aid. So they they yeah, moved yeah. from that, yeah, post punk cool. sound to something which well, was uh, huge. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to their first album, I think they're just finding their feet there again. I think it's heavily Roxy music, um, uh, sort of <clears> stuff influence there. Um. And uh, dare I say, maybe you know, leave a little bit of sparks in there. I, I guess that it's what they watched on TV. Uh, um, what you know, what, what bands they could see locally. Um, but then the second album, they started to experiment more with um, more synthesizer type work, um, drum machines. Um, and then, yeah, as you say, David, nineteen eighty-two, um, September eighty-two, came New Gold Dream. Uh, where they really enjoyed the chart success with yeah. songs like you know, Promised You a Miracle, Glittering Prize. <laughs> that and was then, it, wasn't it? I Promised You a Miracle, yeah. that was the one. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they, they needed to get, that was recorded a long time before they finished the album. Uh, they needed, they, the Virgin, they signed to, they, 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 they done um, an album, a couple of albums with Virgin, um, Sons of Fascination and um, Sister Feelings Corn was a kind of joint album. But then Virgin were, were wanting a kind of single to, to follow the, this, this album. And that's why Promise You a Miracle came out. And that, that really came out a long time before they went in and finished the, the studio album, New Girl Dream. 
that, yeah, that is my favourite album, New Gold Dream. Then 1984, um, they changed uh, production again. And uh, so Sparkling the Rain then followed that. And they obviously the big success on that with Waterfront. Um, but yeah, and then after that, um, with the next album, Once Upon a Time, they, they, they were now having people like Jimmy Iovine and Bob Clear mounting a produce, producing them. You know, so they've jumped, they've jumped up, and you know these guys uh, were already producing, you know, yeah. you know American bands. Uh, <clears throat> you know, but I think um, Springsteen maybe even involved with some of these. Right. Um, but uh, New Gold Dream was, yeah, New Gold Dream was my first um, Simple Bands album, yeah. and I bought it for four pound ninety nine and uh, a wee shop in New York. Yeah. All right. No, I know it's a fantastic album. It's yeah. my favourite album. I've said it before. I think it's my favourite album ever. Period. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Love it. Yeah. And it was it was a made <clears throat> sure it was in Halls of Residence in uh, Dundee, and he was massively into Simple Minds and oh Christ, uh, a big Scottish band, big country. Uh, no, it wasn't the country. They, they were, they were more kind of like you know uh, Pete Wishart has gone on but to become a an MP. Uh, oh, they used to play a Loch Lomond, all the big gigs. Not the, sil the silences. No, 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 no. It's um. It'll come to me. Blue. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, they're they're still on the go. They're still on the go. But they used to they used to sing. Um, you take run, the high run, 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 Rick, run, Rick, run, Rick. All right. He was a massive fan of Run, Rick, and Simple Minds. I used to blast out day in day out. Mm -hmm. And you could, could tell he was having a bad day because he used to play Run, Rick. All right. A good day was a, a good day with Simple Minds. <laughs> yep. Nice. Anyway, so um, on to you then, Mark. All right. Okay. <laughs> right. Choice. Right. So the the quandary remains. I'm I'm gonna choose. Uh, I did mention them earlier, and um, it would be remiss of me not to include them in a live performance because I have seen them as I said earlier over thirty times. Uh, everywhere from Ballina to. Uh, Council Bar to Cork to Edinburgh, Glasgow, Dundee. You can name all the places you want to. I first, I first saw this guy in 1993 at the Whitehall Theatre in Dundee. And at that time, he'd never had a heart attack. He, he didn't have um, any backing vocals or backing instruments. It was just him and his guitar. And uh, I fell in love with them. Uh, the reason why I went to the gig was because in 1991, I was coming back from Lacey's, uh, the Carrickdale Hotel, which is on the border between uh, the north and the south of Ireland, between Dundalk and Newry, and a mate called Terry McGivern stuck the best of Christy Moore, and I thought, my God, I want to listen to him. Uh, so my first gig was the uh, the Whitehall Theatre in 1993, Dundee, 
and I've seen him pretty much every year since then. He's had about three heart attacks. Uh, I think he's got uh, angina. Uh, he's had to stop the old drinking, and he's still going strong at the age of 76. Mm. Cut a long story short, and I'm sure Finn's listening. Um, I was going to choose Life at the Point 2006. Oh, sorry, 1994 is my favourite album because that was the last album that he recorded whereby he stood on the on the stage himself and blasted it out. If we're talking to the audience about a great album to listen to, it has to be Live at the Point in 2006 with uh, Declan Sinnott. And uh, he brings in a lot of songs from... Uh, is his former band Planksty and a lot of guys who are you know making songs and handing them to him and he would he would he would listen to them and play them. I can't say anything more about the guy other than he is he's a bit like Guinness and a bit like you too. He's um, one of Ireland's best exports. Uh I I love him, I revere him, uh, I I cry if he goes before me. Um, what a character! Seventy six. He's he's definitely got a couple of more tours in him. Mm-hmm. And any girl that I've ever loved, I've taken to his gigs. So, <laughs> so, um, Claire, I still have to take Claire. And <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, Christy Moore, live uh, of the point, two thousand and six. With Declan Sinnott is is there for me. Anybody listening to it, if if, you, if you're if you're liking that, then go back to Christy Live at the Point, nineteen ninety four, where it all started. When he was on his own, one guitar and a baron, and that was it. Well, there we go. Second choice. Yeah, I think I've said before, my brother really liked Christy Moore. Yep. Uh, like brother like Christy Moore and um it'll be fifteen years on on Sunday that he that he passed away. Uh but yeah, in my in the garage, just in that direction there, um I, I must have, I've I've said before, Mark, I must have about six or seven Christy Moore stroke planks the album. So I may have that live at the point in there. Um, so I'll have to have a look, but uh, I have looked at them and thought I must play them, but I just, just don't have the time. But I've got to make the effort and dig one out. You know what to do is if you're going to dig one out, dig out uh, Light at the Point 94. And uh, the reason being, it's him on his own. Uh, he picks up the bar on there every now and again, but he plays all the traditional songs. But the opener is it's called Welcome to the Cabaret. And it's so high octane how one guy can capture an audience and get them all so riled. Just him and the guitar is amazing. So if you're going to pick one of your brother's albums out, Christy Live at the Point, 1994. So it would have been one of the earlier ones. Natives, Fairy Tale of New York, Delirium Tremens. Um, he, he he sang the DTs because he actually went through all that shit himself. Um, he's um, 
you know, by his own admission, alcoholic. Uh, that's why he had, you know, the whole problems with angina and heart attacks and all the rest of it. He's been dry for years. And then oh, there's great stuff that just brings a tear to the eye, like Cuffs of Deneen and Nancy Spain. What more can I say? For anyone listening tonight or today or whatever whatever time you're listening, uh, listen to Christy Moore. He'll, he'll open another you know, door in your life, especially when it comes to uh, wondering you know, how a song can express itself and um, you can relate to that song or that feeling. He's, he's absolutely brilliant at that. He's got a song for every occasion. That's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to, I'm sure Alan do the same. Need to give give it a yeah, spin. I'll start with the 2004, 2006 one, sorry. Uh, Life at the Point. Yeah. Given that that's the one you're, you're putting in for today. Absolutely. 2006 is the one that you go right blast about. And he's got a bit of back and he's got Declan Sennett and he's got, a, he's got a wee bit of back. If you want to listen to him raw, 1994. Is is uh, the first live album I bought of his? Nice. It's, it's absolute belter. It's in there, right? Thank you, Dave. Thank you very much, right then, Dave. Okay, here we go uh, again. Maybe I'll see if I can do some of this. You tell me when you think you know who this is. Um, so, going to start off just with a bit of sort of backstory. Insofar as as a family, we went on a tour around in 1976 was it the american bicentennial year so california um i think we took in some arizona nevada nipped into to mexico into tijuana so i did a, a nice i think it was 2200 mile trip that we did over three weeks um and as part of that little journey we stopped off at some friends of, of my father who who knew this guy i seem to remember his name was jeff um uh who he knew as a someone from uh used to work with uh, heathrow airport uh, anyway this guy had relocated with his missus over to uh, la and in fact they had this fantastic place just off sunset boulevard seems to remember being in a hot tub drinking whatever it was that we were but more importantly we got to have a little trip over to um tower records on sunset strip and fantastic and I had I had a, a little budget, and I blew my budget on this one on this one particular record. So, um, talking now about the the, the artist in question, um, uh, he, he started out at a very young age, uh, nineteen sixty six. He fronted a little rock rock band called the Herd, um, singer songwriter, guitarist. Um, he then went on to form uh, a fairly high level. Or a high octane uh, blues based band called Humble Pie, which had Steve Marriott in the band, uh, which is great. And that was in 1968. Struck out on his own in 1971. He was a 21 year old. Um, released his well, released his first album then in 1972. Went on to release another four albums up until 1975, and he had a little bit of success. Which is good in chart success. Nothing, nothing outstanding, but building up a good reputation. Um, but then, you know, by then, coming on to twenty-five, he actually had about three hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, uh, and his 
Well, he had this good reputation. He was getting a bit of pressure from the suits in, in, in his label who were really pushing him to deliver something. Well, he did this six months later and he did it really big style. Um, it's, uh, he re- re- released a, a live album um, which really did strike gold, went global, um, I think it went six times platinum. Uh, it was actually recorded over three different performances uh, in 1975 in San Francisco, um, Long Island, and in Pittsburgh, and released a number of singles off the live album, which wasn't isn't quite so uh, such a thing we don't really think about too much, but it did did fantastically well. So uh, he had he had he had good looks. We'll talk later on about sort of connection with another rock star that we know quite well um he his first lead of single was show me the way it, it just cut through the speakers because a lot of the music that was in the charts in those days was fairly tep- tepid um that scored him a top 10 hit then uh by uh, baby i love you my way that followed through and then he re- it was a double album that he released so it was uh um did did wonderfully well um the thing about the live album is that the the what the mix that they have is that you hear the audience so you actually feel as though you're part of it and they were very vocal um they were very much playing playing the the part which helps it all all come together um, i think what we can't ignore is that he did have this uh his own sort of signature talk box guitar sound effect on Do You Feel Like We Do? I am, of course, talking about Peter Frampton's Frampton Comes Alive, um, a great album, um, which obviously for me has memories, but you can you can find this around in some bargain bins. Sometimes the album's a bit ropey. You can get yourself a decent copy. You, you won't be doing too bad. It's uh, the fourth best-selling live album in the States. And for me, it just will always conjure up those heady memories of Sunset strip in in the mid 70s and uh i love it and i think if you want to listen to an album back to what we were saying earlier on that you're not connected with any way but you want to feel as though you're a part of then you can start in no better place than this one there we yeah, go what a tribute what an absolute what a great tribute and i think mr frampton would be proud of that that's oh. um that's fantastic david thank you Thank you. Uh, let's not forget he, he he was at school, the same school as uh, David Bowie. I think we talked about that before. I think it was maybe two yeah. or three years behind him. So uh, and and he has toured with Bowie when uh, Frampton was a little bit down on his luck. So um, yeah. Bowie doing doing the honourable thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously heard of the title. Yeah. And I've seen it numerous times in record stores. And just flicked on, Frampton comes alive. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's got like, is it like a fuzzy? He's got his face. He's got no one's got his face. It's got his face, face just, with the crown. As you can it's see, it's on the stage. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 iconic, but it's like so many albums of the seventies. I think there were so many um, great live and studio albums that were coming out in the 70s 
that uh, you know there was a, there was a dot of it, and we 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 we've missed half of them. Yeah, that's the one. That's what I was. Yeah. For the benefit of the viewers in black and white, David is now showing. Go back. They have the well, it's almost over. like Peter Frampton's in the room. Yeah. <laughs> it's a full, full. Yeah, it's one of those clever double albums that when you open when you open it up, <laughs> it's in uh, portrait style. Yeah, it's a bit like Diana Ross. Yeah. Yeah, when Diana Ross opens up, yeah, she's very three D. She's uh, is she yeah. going to be playing at Glastonbury, isn't she? Is she? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I'm so, not a bit. I, I I I'll tell you something. I am. Offload my heart here. Um, my granny Kennedy died in 1979, and uh, the, the song that was singing before we left her, and I was six, was uh, the Supremes, When Will I See You Again? Oh, okay. Oh, right. And uh, so we left her. My mom and dad went to, I think it was Romania or something like that, Blackpool, one or the other, you know. Right. It's, it's easy. It's well, easy to get them mixed up. Yeah, I think it was actually Romania. <laughs> it's easy. And then we were offloaded to our aunties and uncles, and I stayed with my uh, my aunt Monica and uncle Bernie. And uh, I remember coming back and finding out that uh, she passed away. So I, I just I don't like the Supremes for that very reason, and I don't like Diana Ross either. Chain reaction as well. The one she did with the BGs. Yeah, can take can take a flying fact to itself. It reached number one. It was number one for weeks. I'm on a rant now. But <laughs> it was bloody awful. It was bloody awful. So yeah, I've no time for Diana Ross. <laughs> See, she's got nothing sorry. to do with the podcast either. Yeah, sorry, 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 about that. <laughs> sorry Diana. Sorry about that. Yeah, me and my big mouth again. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, don't yeah, don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so did he do anything after that? Or? No, he, I don't think he did. Yeah, he has. He's kept on releasing stuff. Oh. He's been touring. I think oh. he's only just. Re- I think he had to. He was due to stop. I was saying, remember the year before last, hearing about him doing his last few uh, gigs because because uh, rheumatism, I think, or rheumatoid arthritis. So he couldn't, and and obviously COVID has hit. But I, I mean, I, I think you'll find if you listen to the last two or three albums, he's kind of done his own sort of uh, interpretations of classics on there. It's a little bit too wishy-washy for me, not really what I would be wanting to listen to. But um, if you're, there's certainly a back catalogue to get into. As I said, before Franklin Comes Alive, he had five albums and then he had a string of other ones, but as you know, the, the mere fact he was he joined Bowie meant that he needed a bit more money. Um, I don't know if life Ooh. was enjoyed a bit much too much to the fore, but um, there's plenty of good music left behind for us to enjoy. Uh, so the, the live stuff is taken from the five albums, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a Jumping Jack Flash as a cover or two that's built that, that's included on in that repertoire, but um, mostly his, his own stuff. And some some newish stuff, which there's some new stuff which was actually in there, which who's using the um, sort of voice box, which was all a hit in the mid mid seventies, wasn't it? 
Joe Walsh and Herbie okay. Hancock. I just a bit before my yeah, time. Uh, Joe Walsh. Uh, I, I managed to, uh, sorry, as an aside, secure two tickets for the Eagles okay. in Murrayfield next June. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen them live, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I just need to find a, a plus one. So if anybody out there, oh, here we go. This could be a prize. It could be a prize. <laughs> Excellent. This could be a prize. Marina, if you're listening, um, this could be a prize. Yeah, so um, it's, uh, I think it's June the 22nd, 2022, Murrayfield Stadium. The Eagles live without Glenn Frey, unfortunately. So, yeah. well, um, Today in work, um, one of the one of my colleagues, um, she can only be about, about, I suppose, I don't know, 26, 27. She said, Alan, who are the Eagles? God. Who are the Eagles? I'm kidding. Well, you must, uh, you know, one of the Hotel California must have heard of that. Have you heard of Don, Don Hen? Have you heard of Don Henley? Have you heard of Glenn Frey? You must yeah. have heard of Don Henley, Boys of Summer. It's summer, summer, yeah. Um, no. I think I've heard of Hotel California. Wow. Why? Why is I? What I want to know is why is somebody emailing me saying tickets have been released for the Eagles, and I don't even know who the Eagles are. <laughs> said, oh, I said, well, you should do. So, Says yeah. more. And then, funny enough, it? this afternoon, Hotel California came on the radio from work. I, I actually, I actually have to, by my own admission, I have, to, I have secured them. The two tickets, well, one for myself and one for a very, very dear friend. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it in June 22. Mm. That's going to be epic. It's a pity that Glenn Frey wasn't still with us. Um, Don Henley, though, I've seen him mm. uh, solo, and he's absolutely brilliant. Just whatever they do, they're back in bands. You know, you talk about live bands, yeah. as we have tonight. They just they they know how to absolutely yeah. nail it these days. They really do. Fantastic. Even in the likes of Murrayfield, sixty-seven and a half thousand, they know how to do it. It's great. Yeah. It's great to watch and see. It's it's actually more enjoyable now. And I know I sound like an old man. I'm forty-eight now, but it's so much more enjoyable to go to a live gig now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was. 10 years, 15 years ago, because um, I can have a seat. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. No, it's, no, on a serious note, it's probably because of the acoustics and uh, everything else is set up so well. Whereas I used to go to gigs 15, 20 years ago, and it was just noise. It was pure noise yeah. fired at you. And it was you coming back going, Oh, yeah, yeah. With the exception of like you two or whatever. It was, was you coming back from the gig going, right, well, my ears are ringing. Yeah. But that's about it, you know? Yeah. I think we've all been You're getting old, but I'm getting old. I am getting old. Getting probably old. Repeat, probably repeated myself twice tonight. <laughs> probably best we wrap it then before you yeah. say that again. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what? I'll probably repeat myself. Damn, and he's done. 
Probably uh, best to be call it a day now. Well, Darren gets better. Yeah. All the best to Darren. We'll get we'll come yeah. back together and find another couple of uh, live albums each in, in episode twenty five. And uh wish you well until then. Twenty five. Uh, is that how long I cut up a lot? Or or as we like to think, we put up my with age. you. Touche, touche, touche. Cheers all. Yeah. Cheers, lads. All the best. God bless.